digital transformations, business agility. Everybody's doing it, but many are failing at it. Tune in today and find out why and what you can do about it. Welcome to The Thinking Leader, brought to you by Red Team Thinking. Bad leaders react, good leaders plan, and great leaders think. Each week, you'll get new ideas and insights from business executives, military experts, and innovative thought leaders to help you lead more effectively and better navigate your complex world. Now, here are your hosts, best-selling business author and top-rated leadership speaker, Bryce Hoffman, and former RAF Wing Commander and Business Agility Coach, Marcus Dimbleby. Welcome back to the Thinking Leader Podcast. Marcus, you got something you want to talk about this week. Good day, my friend. I do. I would like to talk about change. And when I say change, I mean you know, the evolution that we're seeing in businesses, in organizations that has really been consistent. You know, the only, the only constant is change, is that old saying. But I want to talk about how that change has moved from the sort of project and program change management into what we're seeing today of these large-scale digital and agile transformations, because I think that might be quite an interesting topic. Particularly since none of them work, or at least about 70% of them fail, as I understand, right? You keep up on your stats. That is very true, my friend. 20 years in the making and still averaging 70 to 75% failure rates. Why is that? Boy, well, you know, I, I, before you even ask why is that, <laughs> my first question is, is why are people still trying to do these things that have such a colossally high failure rate? I mean, it's like if you, if you heard that there was a car brand out there, Mm-hmm. that had a 75% recall rate, why would you be lining up at a dealership to buy one? You wouldn't buy it, would you? you what you are people, what, why that. are people, why, do, why are, do they not know? That's Or do they not care? Uh, this goes what, back to a- Let's unpack this. This goes back to my viral post, isn't it? It's about the consultancies and we need to bring in the consultancies to answer these questions for us. Because I think a lot of this is, the need to be seen to be doing something. So, you know, as an organization, I'm organization X, you and I are on the C-suite, and we know we have to do something because everything's telling us that. We're seeing this digital shift. We're seeing what's going on around us. So we have to do something. And instead of analyzing what that thing actually is and asking our people and understanding the market and taking the time to do it properly, it almost becomes a short-term, you know, next quarter project where we'll just bring someone in, they'll have them tell us what to do because they've done it elsewhere. And then they get on that slippery slope, unfortunately. And once you're on it, call it the old crack cocaine consulting, it's really hard to get off because once you start to unravel the problems your company has, it's very, very difficult to actually stop stop the bus and get off once it's rolling. And especially when you're not at the wheel because they're outsourcing their thinking to someone else. And that's very dangerous. So, I mean, it, it, it's interesting because, I mean, obviously – you know, when I ask the question of why, why are people even doing this, obviously you change, you have to change. You have to evolve or die, particularly in this world. <clears throat> but as you've just described it, it's the how you go about changing, right? It's, 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 in, it's, it's thinking that digital transformation, that change management is something that you can go and grab off a shelf in a box <clears throat> and take back and with the help of your friends at, at – uh, at whatever large consulting company you, you choose to work with, will unpack that box and set it up. 
like it's a train set or something. Exactly. That's the thing, isn't it? You know, we used to have in the military, we used to call it COTS, commercial off the shelf, you know, supply. And, and you buy this thing because you plug and play. It's worked, it's proven. But when you're Except talking about change, it isn't exactly. Proven. A, it's not proven. And B, this is so individual. You can't take something off the shelf, paint it a different color, and make it work in your organization, which is what they're doing. They're rebranding the cover page and giving you the same, you know, content. And I think this is where organizations need to realize how individual they are. Even if you're in a sector, Big Bank X is incredibly different to Big Bank Y. Retail shop right. A is different to retail because just the nature of they are. The people within it, the, the culture. They sell, exactly. Every company has All its own culture. Down. Every company has yeah. a unique position in the market. Yeah. So nothing off the shelf is going to do that. By all means, pick and choose. Take the best bits of things. But again, that takes time. That takes understanding and expertise. And you're not going to trust someone to do that on your behalf. And I was reading a great quote from Ian Conn, who was the CEO of Centrica, which is British Gas Utilities over here. And I'll read it out. And he said, it's moving too fast. It is revolution, not evolution. And there are many accelerations at once. And one of the biggest problems is the difficulty of mankind to cope with it. I don't know whether political leaders or business leaders can easily handle it. And he made that quote at a conference in March 2018, so over four and a half years ago, pre-COVID. And it's almost like he had a crystal ball. He stood down two years later, having lost a billion in profit. So he didn't. He he, he saw the problem, but he didn't. Yeah. He didn't. Uh, he was have alone. Any better yeah. idea on how to solve it? Because people don't listen to that. You know, he's saying, "Look, I can't do this anymore." And we've seen this with some of our great clients, where they stand up as a CEO or a leader and go. I can't do this anymore. This is way beyond the wit of man, the way beyond the wit of an individual. There are no super CEOs running companies anymore. This has to be a team effort. And it's not even a C-suite team capability. You've got to engage your whole workforce because that's what you've got them there for. And if you don't, bringing someone in isn't going to do the same thing that if you empower and enable and engage your people to do that for you, that's how you get change. People don't like change. Nobody wants to change. But you just hit the nail on the head right there. It's the people who have to do it. Yeah. So it's not a change management program. No. It's 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 a it's a it should be an upskilling program it's for a, your people. It people. should be a talent development program. It yes. should be a capability and, and, and building program. You've nailed it, and, and I think that's the key thing. So back in the day, we were doing change management. We were changing things in the business, short term. You know, three, six, twelve months programs of change. In installing hardware, building a new infrastructure, whatever. And what we've done is shift that mentality into the modern era of, and they've just rebranded it, transformation. But you said it then, what, what we're changing is people. And what we should be doing is enabling people to constantly be evolving because we have to. In today's VUCA, volatile, you know, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous world, we have to be able as human beings to change. You said it, adapt or die. Darwin 101, isn't it? It's not the smartest, right. not the fit, it's not the most handsome. It's those who are most adaptive to change. And all this talk of agile, it should be adaptive because it's that adaptability which brings resilience, which allows you to survive and thrive. And I think if we focused on changing our people, and not in a way we will change people, enabling our people to constantly evolve, which as humans is how we've survived for centuries as it is, then I think we would get far more return on investment and focused quality outcomes 
if we did that rather than trying to install big tech or whatever it is we're trying to understand change to be? Well, I mean, we need we need new technology for sure too, but it has to be coupled with new ways of thinking and new ways of behaving and new ways of working together as as teams. The technology in and of itself is 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 a tool, but if you well, don't have 100%. the workforce that's that's ready to use it and can take advantage of it, and, and and also this is I think something also important. Marcus has the time to learn how to do it. Because what I've seen, and I know you've seen this as well, is that in a lot of organizations, change management, digital transformation, whatever it is, is like a bolt-on to people's or an add-on to people's workload. Mm -hmm. It's like, you're going to keep doing what you've been doing, but you're also going to learn how to do this new thing and implement these new processes at the same time. Nobody's day jobs change. Right. But as a result, but also, but there's, but, but it's not like, let's evolve gradually the way you're doing your day job. It's oh, like, it's... let's, yeah. <laughs> it's literally finished Friday, coming on Monday. Here's a new name badge, new role and change. Right. And, 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 and then people are, 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 are called on the carpet because they, they, you know, their production went down, their sales went down, their metrics went down, their, the company's NPS went down, whatever it is. And, and that's because it's 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 not bringing people along. It's not lifting people up. It's like making people jump through hoops. Correct. And this is the seduction of technology. And I think this is I think my perspective. Here's what's happened. We've gone through these industrial revolutions. We're on Industry 4.0 now, and it's all you just look at it. It's all Internet of Things, you know, robots, AI, etc. Back in the day when we were doing change management, it was the great mantra of the triad: people process platform. Those were the three Ps. Get your people aware, on board, skilled, focus on the processes to do that, and then bring in the correct platforms that enable that change. And what seems to have happened has been a transition during which there's been a flip. And as we've moved into this 4.0 digital age, the focus has become, as I said, the seduction has been the technology. And what we're seeing now is technology, process, and people if at all, have become an afterthought. You've, right. As I like to say, you've lost the lead singer of the trio. You've now got this duo of technology and process, and that's still not working, hence the high failure rates. And people are going, why is it not working? We've got amazing technology, great processes from all these new ways of working, but they're not working. And they can't see the wood for the trees because the answer is you've missed out the third leg of the stool, people. Right, right. And, and you're not... You're, you're investing in technology, you're investing in consultants, but you're not investing in your people. Yeah. And by doing and that, you're creating a two-speed organization, aren't you? Because the technology and everything else is moving rapidly forward, but you're not enabling, upskilling, training your people to move at that pace to maintain, even within range of it, let alone holding onto it. And that's where we start to see these major crevices appearing and widen into chasms in organizations, then we hear that from the people saying that the training they do go on isn't of value. You say it's a go and get a badge and you've got a new role on Monday. Well, where's the expertise I'm learning from that? And I think it's a real dilemma that I'm not sure if people are even aware of it. People like Ian Conn saw it, but are, are you? do you think people see this? Do you think people get this? I think people are overwhelmed. I, I, think, I think that you, you look at 
at Ian comment, it reflects what I've heard from a lot of CEOs, which is it's it it's it's a cry for help. It's not it's not an ignorance of the problem. It's not a willful blindness. It's a recognition of the problem, but it's it's almost like where to begin, you know. And seems too big, doesn't it? It seems too big. And I, you know, I, I've told the story before about Jack Nasser when he became CEO of Ford in, in, I think, 1999. Ford was flush with cash. Everyone was like, you know, he was this rock star, you know, uh, you know, he'd, he'd uh, <clears throat> been touched by the, the the golden hand of Jack Welch and stuff. And uh, he was going to come in and, and he was going to be the guy who saved uh, Ford Motor Company. He was the chosen one who was going to bring back balance to the force. Um and and that and all of Detroit was like waiting with bated breath to see how he was going to 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 save Ford and remake the auto industry and and he bought tech companies and bought recycling companies and created a digital online you know uh, marketplace for for automotive components and it did everything but fix but. Ford Motor Company and even changed the change the color of the blue oval to a different shade of blue at the cost of tens of millions oh, of yeah. dollars. But he didn't fix Ford Motor Company. And when I, you know, when I talked to people who who had been through his whole his whole tenure and asked them what they thought, I mean the consensus was universal, which is that as as one guy said to me using the perfect car analogy, when Jack became CEO, he opened the hood, looked at the engine, saw what a mess it was, said, oh crap, slammed it shut and went and bought a tech company. And I think that's what a lot of, I think that's yeah. partly what fuels digital transformation and stuff too, yeah. is it, like, you know, people come in and they look at their companies and they, that they, they say, wow, we've got a dysfunctional culture. We're, we're siloed. We're not, we're not, we don't have economies of scale. I know what we need. I, <laughs> you know, yeah, let's 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 get a new computer system and ask McKinsey yeah. to uh, you know come up with a new strategy for for digital transformation for us. Yeah, instead of asking their people and listening, and instead of tackling the hard work mm-hmm. of changing culture, of 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 reorienting the company, of having having a hard discussion about what's working and what's not working. That's one of the biggest challenges that people see the word culture. They understand how amorphous a blob that thing is and how hard it is to shift, but it's not. And I think therefore they see the thing on the shelf. They see something that's far more tangible rather than it goes back to this hard skills, soft skills conversation, doesn't it? It's so easy to do hard skills training. It's so easy to get technical competency, but it's so much more. It's not much because we know it's not much more hard, but people perceive it to be much harder to get these soft skills to the to have this cognitive capability that that is ultimately the, f- the fuel of humans. It's it's what makes us tick, it what makes us operate, what makes us interact and do well are these soft skills. You know, the emotional, cognitive understanding of how we all work, and then bringing that together as a group is what will get these organisations where they need to be and support those at the top who are struggling to find the answers. Yeah. Well, let's take a break. And when we come back, let's talk about how you do that, how you get those soft skills, 
how you develop those capabilities and how you start changing culture rather than just buying new tech. Stay tuned. Hey folks, Bryce here. If you're listening to this and you're liking what you're hearing and you're wondering, am I a red team thinker? We have an easy way for you to find out. Just go to the show notes, click on the link there to our free assessment to find out if you are a red team thinker and what you can do to think more effectively, to lead more effectively, and to make better decisions faster in your complex world. Like I said, the link is in the show notes, or you can simply go to our website, redteamthinking.com. Check it out. I can't wait to see how you score. Welcome back. So Bryce, before the break, we were talking about changing culture. Right. And, you know, and, and I, I would say, you know, I do think changing culture is hard. I don't want to do, I don't want to minimize how hard it is to change culture. It may be the hardest thing there is to do in business, but that doesn't mean that we should run away from it because it's by doing hard things that we make big progress. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's interesting because, you know, before I achieved a, a modicum of success in my life, you know, you always would hear people say, what's the secret to your success? And, oh, hard work, hard work, Sonny, <laughs> hard work. Um, but you know what? They were right. It is hard work. And there's, there's very little success at any level in life that comes without hard work. And that's why I, I posted something recently about, uh, there was a piece in HBR about the, the value of stress. And how, you know, people, people want to spend all this time talking about avoiding stress, but you're not going to grow as an individual or as an organization without stress. Yeah. The question is managing stress and using it constructively. Same thing goes with any, anything. Hard, hard things are not things we should run away from. And changing culture is hard, but it can be done. And it needs to be done because it goes back to the, to the old Deming saying, you know, Culture eats strategy for breakfast every morning. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't address the culture, if you don't address, which is really addressing the people part of the equation, as you pointed out, you can bring in all the technology and all the, all the transformation plans, but at the end of the day, it's going to fail. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you nailed it. You know, culture change is hard, but if you don't do the hard stuff and it's like anything, if you're doing a project, you know, tackle the hard things first. Get them out of the way, because if you don't, they're going to cause a major roadblock for you. So if you tackle culture and do it well and enable that shift, it doesn't have to be full. You know, you can start to incremental change your culture and to be seen to be doing that will have the outcomes you want. But if you do that, then the other things will become a lot easier because you're changing the biggest thing that can create momentum in an organization that allows you to take a a big run up at these things that are harder downrange, but they'll become easier if you've got your culture aligned and moving in the right direction with the right people and the right mindsets. And how do you do that? We talked about how you do that. And we'll put the, we'll put a link to these previous episodes in the show notes, but it's the three C's that we talked about a few months ago. Yeah. It starts with what are the three C's clarity, capability, and culture. And as you and I talked about in each of those episodes, what it, before you do anything, you need to have clarity. You need to have a common vision. You need to have a common purpose. You need everyone to understand where we're at and where we're trying to go yeah. so that everyone's rowing in the same direction. 
so that everyone's aligned. Then once you've got that and you're moving forward, now you need to help your people develop the capability that they need to get to that to that destination, to get to the promised land that you've that you've pointed out on the horizon. And obvious, often today, that's a cognitive capability. It's developing the the the, the critical thinking and groupthink mitigation skills that people yeah. need to to do that heavy lifting. And if you if you get those things right, if you've got clarity and you've got capability, then you'll start to change the culture, which is the third C. So be pulled by those individuals with those two C's in the direction you want it to go. Right. And, you know, so it's, again, I don't want to minimize and say, oh, it's three C's. All you got to do is do the three C's. It's easy. <laughs> um, it's hard, but it's doable. And it's not a mystery. That's the thing I wanted to convey. It's not a mystery. There's no great mystery about how you do this. It's It's just taking the time and effort to do it. But I, but I think the seduction of, as I mentioned earlier, technology process, which are ultimately these new ways of working, aren't they? Right. We've, we've brought these things. It's no different to the car production factory line years ago when they started to get the whole end-to-end Taylorism type thing. It was a new way of working, and it worked. Right. And I think the new way of working we're seeing now are all these new processes that have been out there, been sold and certified by the dozen, and this technology all the digital and tech that you're seeing out there. And all these new ways of working are fabulous. I'm not dissing them. I'm not disrespecting these capabilities. They are all incredible. But what is it we say? New ways of working don't work with old ways of thinking. Certainly 21st century ways of working aren't working because we're still using the 20th century ways of thinking. We're not evolving that cognitive loading that I talked about earlier to, to enable these ways of working. And that's why they're failing. So, you know, Agile's getting a bashing at the moment. Certain tech platforms don't work. It's not that they're bad. Ease off. These things are great capabilities, great tools, great techniques, great technologies. But if you are applying them with a the wrong mindset that's stuck in the last, you know, last century, 1980s, because that's all you knew then and you think that works today, then they're not going to function as they're intended to do. And hence why we're seeing such failure. Absolutely. And that's why we talk about the second C, capability being so important in developing those new mental capabilities, cognitive capabilities to help leverage these new ways of working. And, you know, it's, it's, if you do these things right, this is like rocket fuel. It's like, it's like strapping a jetpack to your And you can't stop it. Once it goes, right. this is a, a momentum that happens. And you can see it, you can feel it, your ROI will show it, your churn rate in your organization will go down, people will want to come and work with you, with your organization, because as you say, you let rip and this thing is out of the block and it's off. Huge capability. It but- is. It, it, and it comes back to though, you you can't shy away from this as a leader. And you know, this is it, it goes back to the story I was talking about with Jack Nasser. If you're the CEO. Of a, of, a, of a company of any size. It doesn't have to be four. It could be a smaller, much smaller company. But if you're a CEO, if you're sitting in the driver's seat, if you're, you're at the top of the pyramid, if the buck stops with you, then you owe it to your employees. You owe it to your shareholders. You owe it to your board. And you owe it to yourself to not slam that hood closed 
or that bonnet closed because you don't like what you see when you lifted it up. But to roll up your sleeves and say, right, yeah. somebody hand me a wrench. Let's get to work. This is going to not Let's be pretty. This. It's going to yeah. suck, but we're going to fix this. And get people and, around it with you looking in. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but, you know, in most cases, picking up the phone and, and calling, you know, KPMG or E&Y or McKinsey or one of these things is tantamount to slamming the bonnet shut, the hood shut and walking away. Yeah. Say, let's leave your wallet in the driver's seat. Yeah. You know, that too. I don't want to fix yeah. this. This is too hard. You know, I'm going to go do something. I'm going to be over here. You guys call me when you're done. And this goes back to that piece I talked about early on with Ian Con and the transformation is about people, not the process and technology. And as you said, it starts at the top. So if, if you're sat in that chair, if you're not transforming yourself and you're in a position of executive leadership, then you are, you're letting yourself down, you're letting the organization down, you're letting the people down. Because if you transform, if you understand the leadership requirements today in this complex world, then you'll see you need to change. You need to be adaptive. And this is where we're talking about all these different servant leadership types and democratic leadership. You know, you just need adaptive leadership. You need to be chameleon-like because it's going to change every day. And if you're not able to be responsive to those changes that are happening constantly, and you can't map them out, whatever will happen will happen. You can't forecast those, but you can have a, a damn good planning session and look ahead and learn and listen from people. So if you transform and then enable your people to do that and they see that leading by example – then they too will start to. But what we're seeing is the people, I think, are recognizing this, this shift that's required and want to change and want to innovate, but they're scared to because they're not seeing it happening at the top. So that you're almost getting this two levels of fear at the top where people want to sit and hold tight and batten down the hatches and you know, weather it through. Whereas those at the front line are more aware of what's going on and see that need to change, but are hampered by the ability to do so it's you mentioned fear and 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 fear definitely is a big part of this and i think a lot of the reason why people slam the hood closed why they slam the bonnet closed and pick up the phone and call and call someone else is because they're afraid that they can't make the change happen that they know needs to happen they're afraid that they're not good enough leaders to lead a real transformation in their companies. But you know what? I've said it a million times. I've never been in an organization where there aren't people in that organization who know exactly what the problem is and how to fix it. So you don't need to have all the answers. No. But what you do need to do as a leader is have the courage to ask the right questions and to listen to the answers from your team, to, to go to your people and say, right, Here's what I, as the leader, see as the challenges that we're facing as an organization right now. Help me fix those. Who, who wants to help me fix those? And I, I, you know, if you do it right, people will be tripping over themselves. They will. To, to get people want to do. into your office and help yeah. you figure it out. Yeah. But they, they want to be heard. They want to be listened to. They want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Yeah. So. Do. Absolutely. Don't be lazy. Don't pick up the phone. If you pick up the phone, make sure it's to call your own people to come help fix the problem, not to bring in someone from the outside to answer the questions that the answers already exist to inside your organization. 
And on that note, we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to The Thinking Leader. Check the show notes for more information about the topics covered in this episode there. You'll also find a link to our free assessment. Click on it right now to find out if you are a red team thinker with a red team culture.